Hello and welcome to We're Watching What? I'm your host Dana, or the DHK as I'm known, and we watched several things this week, starting with WandaVision Episode 6, as well as the 1997 version of Cinderella, which starred Brandy and Whitney Houston. We also watched RuPaul's Drag Race Episode 7, and finally we watched a film called Dead Pigs, which is the directorial debut of Kathy Yan. Kathy Yan was the director of Birds of Prey. Dead Pigs is an ensemble film. It's about multiple plot lines, but the description is a bumbling pig farmer, a feisty salon owner, a sensitive bus boy, an expat architect, and a disenchanted rich girl converge and collide as thousands of dead pigs float down the river toward a rapidly modernizing Shanghai, China. Of note, this is actually inspired by a real event that happened in China where there were a bunch of dead pigs found in a river. That's not exactly what it's about. The film came out originally in 2018, but didn't find distribution in the US until this past week where it's now available on Mubi. Spoiler alert for everything I just mentioned. And without further ado, here's We're Watching What? Well, let's, as we always do, start with WandaVision. We got our very special Halloween episode. Yeah. That made me happy to see to see them in there. The little uh, the little Wiccan costume made me really happy. Their, their son looked just as cheesy as you see him in the comics. I thought that was so fun. I will say, as far as an overall narrative episode, I think I think I've been liking the episodes better as far as the narrative goes since episode four, but I don't think I've liked one better than episode four yet. I mean, episode four definitely gave us the most to chew on. I think this yeah. one was fun, but I feel like it was a lot of setup and like it wasn't a little it. digging at backstory. But and where it ended, it was like, "Are you kidding me?" Like it was just one of those things where I'm like, "Now I'm just like, can you just give us like a two hour special that's just the yeah. rest of the season?" You know, so we. I think the the most impressive thing to me is I have never seen a full episode of Malcolm in the Middle. I've only seen like tiny bits and pieces, and yet. When they started this episode, I was just like, oh, this is Malcolm in the Middle. This is such a subtle but valid evolution from the last. It was just so distinct to me how they've captured those TV styles. And I'm I'm so impressed by that part of it. Yeah, we definitely thought Modern Family. <laughs> yeah, I saw afterward it was Malcolm in the Middle. I've never seen an episode of Malcolm in the Middle in my entire yeah, life. Yeah, but I, yeah, to be but, fair, I've never ever seen I mean, Malcolm Modern Family is so definitely in a, a, like a very similar... Yeah. I, I mean, I've, ne- I've honestly never seen that either, but we were oh, talking I about it, I guess. a and, good, yeah. <laughs> good number of seasons of Modern Family. See, I've seen I'm a not... decent enough chunk of Modern Family to be And so when he was, like, looking at the camera and talking to the camera, I was like, oh, it's Modern Family. But I guess Malcolm and Little must do that, too, and I just had no idea. But either way, I, you either know, way, I was like, oh, this is, yeah, this is late time. 90s, early 2000s, yeah. like, sitcom. Yeah, they, they very totally seamlessly, it. even if you've never caught a single reference from any other show, they've very seamlessly nailed the tonal shift yeah. in a very fluid way, right? That doesn't feel yes. jarring and crazy. So that's, kudos to them for that. I, I do have to wonder... Obviously, I'm excited to see where everything goes and everything like that. But with the way this episode ended, and we're kind of on the edge here, like, okay, well, who is who is Monica's friend? Is it going to be Reed Richards or somebody else or whatever? Because yeah. that's who she's going to meet, right? And everything that was happening, I'm starting to wonder if we're getting to the point where if the show has a lot more information to really tell us, or it's really at this point going to be just used as a vehicle for fun Easter eggs and introductions of other characters in the Marvel Universe. And so I'm kind I mean, of like antsy for it to just, let's let's wrap this up. I'm getting there. 
I don't know where this show would go in a second season. No, me I think neither. it could, it could, but I think it, I would want, if there was another season, I would want it to heavily evolve and be like the X-Files version of whatever with Jimmy Woo and Monica and all this stuff. I don't, I can't, you know, I don't think this, this current format is sustainable. Right. Well, cause even still, that's just a launching pad for an entirely different series. You know what I mean? So like that, it's kind of like what seems to be happening, which is totally fine, but it's at that point where I'm like, okay, well let's just, let's, instead of making these episodes so short and cutting us off on cliffhangers like this, just let's just get, let's just do it, <laughs> you know, but I'm having fun. There. Yeah. I'm having fun. I'm, ha- I'm having a great time. I enjoyed Agatha or Agnes at the end wearing her witch costume. Another sort of nod to Agatha. That was kind of cool. I like that she was so calm and just like, oh, you're an Avenger. You're going to help us. And then obviously us really bringing home the point that Vision is a different Vision, right? Or at least one that doesn't have the memories of his former self, right? So that's that's a sort of interesting plot development. I enjoyed seeing the Outer Rims and that like not everyone is controlled, right? thought that was creepy and cool. I enjoyed quite a bit of it, but just like Matt... You know, ending like that was just so rough. Like, come on, man. I can't handle that. It was not fond. Well, because we've gotten so much, we've gotten enough information of the kind of what's happening. We still don't know a lot of details behind it. No, I think Agatha's reaction was telling, but it it says to me or it suggests to me that our earlier theories that she is more heavily involved in the guiding of Scarlet Witch is, it's moot. It's not like going to happen. You know, maybe later she's being set up as a, a guiding figure, but the fact that she's just kind of passively there means to me maybe she was just in the wrong place at the wrong time. See, what's interesting is I actually thought she was lying to Vision. I kind of took it oh. as because it, because she's if she's there intentionally, I don't think it's there as a helper to Wanda as right now as much as it's maybe trying to like stop or try to not necessarily stop, but try to sway something in a direction or whatnot. I'm not really sure what the purpose is yet and what her role would be, but I think it's clear that she was trying to clue Vision in before when it was talking about the neighbor who ended up being Monica and uh, being kind of, yeah, you know, it's very weird that she's here and why, blah, blah, blah. So she was trying to, I feel like she's been trying to sneakily have Vision kind of wake up in a way. So as to maybe not like shock him. Yeah, Yeah, which is not helping Wanda, right? But it's like, I just, I think that she's there for a purpose. And I kind of thought she was lying in the car, but maybe not. I mean, she definitely seems more in control than any other person we've seen wake up. Everyone else wakes up and they get panicked about what's going on. So it would be interesting to see if she has, you know, slightly more control and therefore is sort of working something. Yeah. I mean, I I still maintain and agree that she is an anomaly within this kind of region. But I just, in the beginning, I was more of the mind that perhaps she was playing along intentionally in order to guide Wanda's actions to something that Agatha wanted as an outcome. But now I'm just like, oh no, I think she's more along for the ride and is able to navigate it better than some of the other people in the town, right? Because they're obviously freaking out and all this stuff. And we saw that that slightly overacted, like one tier Thing. It, was, it was like a little bit much. Um, but now I'm. Well, I don't the music think... was very strange at that moment, too. It was very weird because the music was all happy, and then we're like watching this lady, and she's like crying. It was a little, it was a little get out. It was a little like. like a, little, yeah, like, yeah, it was know, very. Strange, yeah. yeah, but the, the one tear was just so yeah. like. I was like, oh, the CG budget on that singular tear. Yeah. <laughs> like, so the poor person who had to sit there and like brighten that spot. Yeah. <laughs> but it, you know, it's it's interesting. And I, it's, it felt very predictable, actually, at mm-hmm. that point in this episode like I felt like we kind of knew it, it just because 
it's well-trod territory. And as we said in the beginning, you know, it felt like a little bit of filler in terms of just getting from point A to point B with like sprinklings of stuff. But I, I want to support you both, but I am less and less of the Doctor Doom. Yeah. And, and, and also not of the Mephisto at this point. I'm just, yeah. I feel like we're not going to get it in the next two episodes. Yeah, no, and I'm not, you know, when I say this, I'm not necessarily thinking that we're going to have some huge manifestation of one of those villains appear necessarily in this last couple episodes and be kind of like, Aha, it's been me this whole time. It's more I'm thinking, which if that happened in the a way lay, that made You're sense. talking about them laying the groundwork. I'm talking about laying the groundwork yeah. and being like, I think that someone is very involved here. We may not learn who it is in this show, but they're very yeah. involved here. And it's going to be very foretelling of what's coming in the Marvel Universe is what I'm thinking. If they would appear in a way that made sense, I would love it. But, you know, I mean, I, yeah. I, I'm sure there are people thinking that maybe Evan Peters is Mephisto at this point. You know, like, like because I, what do we think about this whole kind of situation where I'm not saying I subscribe to that, but she clearly is like, I didn't bring you here, at least intentionally. So she's clearly very trying to like, what what is going on? And she's like freaked out kind of about like who this person is. You know what right. I mean? And, and she, how, well, she's freaked herself happening. out too. Right. Yeah, so because... whether she did rip a hole and bring actual X-Men, you know, Evan Peters over, or this is something where the whoever the bigger villain is at play is doing this in a way to try to, who knows? But it's interesting that she's very like, I don't know how this happened. Kind of fun to see. I think it it just shows she's not fully in control, which we all yeah. kind of guessed. All and that's the, and that's the thing is I think we know that's what I was meaning before when I was like we know enough about what is going on. We don't know the hows and the whys of everything yet, but we know enough about what's going on and that this is this construct that she wants to keep alive. Like we all kind of predicted, of course, but we know that now to the point where I'm like, okay, if we're not going to get some big reveal of somebody or whatnot, like is this is the rest of this show here to just kind of be groundwork rather than like anything really big happening right or hoping we're gonna get something or we're setting her up as like solo i think all of it yeah yeah i mean i think we're definitely we're setting her up this is her villain story right this is her yeah you know introduction to her villain story i i definitely believe that i do hope that there is some sort of conclusion that isn't just oh, this thing happened and this is laying groundwork for other things. Like, I do hope we get some sort of resolution. But I can also see them just using this as sort of, this is the new MCU. Welcome to it. Right. You know, this is what happens now. But I hope, I hope we get a little bit more. Yeah. Yeah. I think for sure we're obviously seeing this really kind of more fleshed out version of how we're creating a villain here, which if the MCU, and I think, Dana, you've made this point before, we're kind of like where they have been a little bit weaker has been their villains. I think if they were to look back at what was most successful in the beginning of what they were doing here, it was really how they laid the groundwork for Loki, I think, and Mm -hmm. how they really made the viewer care about that character in a way that was, you know, when he was here doing all this awful stuff, you weren't like, oh, okay, he should totally win, but you understood what he was doing. You know, like you're kind of like, oh, okay, so you can kind of empathize with the villain. A really, truly good, well-written villain is one you can empathize with. And I think, you know, they're very smart to be going, hey, obviously most people are going to be empathizing somewhat with Wanda because we've just introduced her in ways where every film she's been in, something tragic has happened to her. And so now you really do feel for this character. We understand, I understand why she's doing what she's doing. And so it's really great that they've decided to set it up that way. But if the show ends up after all is said and done being this moment, that's just kind of there just specifically to set up a bunch of other things at the end, 
it just kind of will feel like I'm not sure how much of rewatchability it's going to have for me. Whereas I've kind of hoped that this will end in such a way that I will want to go back and watch all of them like in a row because it's like, why not? Because I like to do that, you know. But if it's if it ends up being kind of all of little consequence as far as how the narrative gets wrapped up and it's just kind of like, oh, here's just a launching pad for a bunch of other things. It's not going to feel as like fun to rewatch always, I feel. But we'll see. I could see them setting up rewatch value in the bajillions of Easter eggs, right? Like this is yeah. fan person's kind of buffet of, oh, let's say Doctor Strange comes out, right? And references something, everyone has to go back and watch and, all yeah, of Vision again. Could, and then, yeah. You know, whatever, the, like maybe Eternals comes out and it references something that would have theoretically have come out before or, you know, like, mm-hmm. but, but either way, because it's the first foray into the next phase, even though technically Spider-Man, you know, exists in the next phase, I think it's going to force us to rewatch it and not that it deserve. we don't know yet whether or not it's going yeah. to deserve that type of rewatch and i think that's what it is is like yeah they really could earn that but then it's like it really could also not earn it and so i'm like i'm really hoping it earns it yeah <laughs> like that's what you know that's what i'm we just are. getting stressed i don't more episodes. i know it's it's, it's only it's, 40 it's, more minutes of film really and do we know no. it's only two or is it three because i just i don't i've seen nine i've seen eight so i'm not really sure i think it's eight because i remember the article i i read when i texted both of you before it even started being like oh i just heard monovision's nine episodes and i remember nine being the number i thought it was weird no so it's it's so only it's eight. eight episodes we don't know how long the next two are it's True. possible they might be a little bit longer might be like this a one was finale or something yeah although again i kind of love that they have still committed to this like 20 minute title and like you know credit yeah, sequence that 50 too, yeah. it's not actually 50 percent, but you know a good portion of the episode mm-hmm. is credit. yeah and they've hidden <laughs> and, and they've hidden some fun little stuff in those animations that may just not matter at all but like little comic booky things that are really fun i was like i like how thoughtful these are in the songs and stuff it's just like it's yeah you, you can tell that like they you know people who love Marvel Comics have made this show but exactly yeah yeah I mean I guess we'll see you know there's not a ton this didn't move things along that much so yeah. we'll, we'll have to wait and see I what think, happens this week yeah I think they were really banking on this one really being about us really really wanting to get to the bottom of how and why Evan Peters is there or who he is and I think yeah. that the point of it was to just look at their dynamic and kind of understand, oh, okay, so like this is not what we thought maybe at the end of the first, of the last episode being like, oh, it's just him and it's normal, you know? So yeah. that seemed like the purpose and it wasn't quite enough to get me like really juiced, you know? So I'm hoping the next two are fire. And we should probably take a step back and acknowledge that we are all relatively well-versed in various levels of, you know, you two are well far ahead of I, where I am at in terms of our Marvel lore and like background, but there are plenty of people watching this show who probably don't have that background and so for them <laughs> this might be a very necessary explainer yeah. episode to like mm-hmm. give them breathing room and i just taught them and i was like oh wait other people watch this show i know i know, I know. <laughs> this is this is not necessarily for us this yeah. might have been a little bit more for them well and i gotta say i have a couple of friends who don't read comics at all and have enjoyed mcu movies well enough but not not like obsessed with them or anything and uh have been watching and both texted me saying like episode six was great right so, you yeah, know, and, I, and it was a good episode, but I, yeah, I was just like, oh, okay, um, you know. Yeah, and I, I think, I think <laughs> but, it wasn't you know, great working. for us because we kind of knew generally where it was going to go, where yeah, it was, you know, exactly. a lot of it was telegraphed to us. But we have to we have to remember that <laughs> these shows are not made. I mean, they're made for us. They're definitely made for us, but they're made for also a broader audience. Like, I think I think my question at this point, you know, we're six episodes in. I've not recommended it to my parents yet. Jackie, have you expanded it out to your family? No, not yet. I yeah. thought we would have a better read by this point, but it sounds like we're going to have to literally wait until the whole season's over yeah. in terms of yeah. 
Yeah. Seeing we really are. Yeah. And I guess, and then the last little thing I want that I'll say is, did you feel we kind of got a little more of an expansion on Wanda's powers and kind of what we know about? Yeah, the there definitely felt like there was a breakthrough. With her, with, with partnering with Wiccan here, but like kind of learning and, and being able to see where Vision was and when he was trying to leave and then being like, okay, I'm going to expand this thing. Kind of like gave a little more to the psychic kind of telekinesis ability that we haven't really seen her have fully, I feel, in the right. MCU. So it's been interesting to see how those are evolving. So. Well, and seeing the bubble expansion in terms yeah. of, okay. And how, well, and how is, easily. Just, yeah. yeah. How easily like, she okay. just did it. Yeah. <laughs> I did kind of hate how the car outdrove it. I was like, yeah, oh, that's not. I said that exact thing. I was, like, they got, I was like, they got that far away. Are you kidding me? Yeah. Like, that's not how that works. It doesn't really work. But, you know, yeah. it's, it, it's Disney, you know. <laughs> yeah. We're going to take a quick break and be right back. Speaking of Disney. Yes. We watched the long-awaited streaming debut of Cinderella, which I feel like is a good segue off of our last week sort of Valentine's Day setup with Ever After. We had a you know a different interpretation of Cinderella. I realized I have never seen this version, the Brandy version, which became available on Disney Plus. Obviously, Whitney Houston. I I was very impressed. It was Walt Disney and Whitney Houston present. It presents, Cinderella. yes. She, she, yeah. Yeah. she like, must have oh, paid Whitney. money for it. Yeah. yeah. Like, good for her. Yeah. I mean, I was saying it's like this This was her her David Bowie. This was her whiz moment. Kind of like, you know, I am a superstar. I'm going to come here and I'm going to. I'm gonna be Do here. And I'm gonna be, and I'm gonna be in this film. Like you're, you're gonna see. I'm gonna me. be in this film in this four by three presentation. <laughs> yes. <in> this, <laughs> yes. Like, yeah. yeah. I think maybe if I'd watched it as a kid, I would have liked it. A li- I didn't dislike it, of course, you know. Mm-hmm. But I think for me, Ever After personally holds more sort of a warmer place in my heart because I'd seen it so many times. It was yeah. But I, I love the representation in it. I the comedy stuff was actually really great. I wasn't expecting. I mean, I should with Whoopi and Bernadette Peters yeah. and company. Like that should be an obvious, but it was not overdone, which is surprising. That seems like something that they could very easily have gone like scenery chewing with for the production level that was provided to this. Yeah. And I think that that, you know, like we talked about last week, I think Ever After elevates the story in general to a place that really most of these other uh, remakes of Cinderella or just kind of adaptations of, of that story haven't really done as much as far as kind of bringing it to a more feminist place and things like that. I agree. I look at Ever After just like a different type of film in general. Yeah. But yeah, like you said, I mean, it's super cheesy. This is for children. It's great for children. I, I remember I liked it when I was a kid. I have not watched it in so many years. So it was kind of a, an interesting experience going back and watching it through today's <laughs> lens. Uh, I was under influence. And so uh, I did find <laughs> things comical that I'm sure uh, I shouldn't. But I <laughs> Mostly uh, involving CGI. I do. I love, yeah, I love the 1950s version. And then I realized I actually hadn't seen this version in a long time. And I guess like from a musical standpoint, it was kind of irritating because they changed like a bunch of the songs and they do a bunch of stuff that's different. But I also appreciate that they were really trying to modernize the story a little bit more. And I mean, like Whitney, you know, trying to tell her that you can't just sit at home and wish for things. You have to go out and get them, you know, despite giving her all the tools to just go out and make it. (laughs) Happened. And then being like, I don't make the rules. Yeah. <laughs> that was and my favorite like, part. In like one breath She's later. Like, Only till midnight? She goes, I don't make the rules. I'm like, did you not just make all like, these rules? Like, you, you just did all of this. Didn't you just sing a whole song about the impossible being possible? You just remember that. Look, even fairy godmothers have rules and overlords. You know, there's a union. There's, yeah, you don't want to be caught. And so you could tell. I mean, you could tell they 
they made efforts at giving her a little bit more autonomy. You know, obviously they weren't very successful, you know, and Ever After will always hold that my favorite. I guess I can't say it will always be my favorite, but it is my current favorite Cinderella story mm. version of Cinderella. And I'm sure that we make this story so often and prolifically that maybe someone someday will be able to make one I like better, but hard to, hard to know. Yeah, it was enjoyable. I think they yeah. did a good job. I loved, of course, the diversity in it. I love a Whoopi Goldberg moment. I love Spy Daddy, Garber. Um, <laughs> you know. Yeah, no, I know what you're referencing, yeah. right? I was um, just like, oh, yeah, okay, all right. Yeah, uh, I love I love that. The costumes were so 90s. It was sort of fun in that way to sort of look at this, you know, 90s version of Renaissance dresses. The magic was hilarious. It was like, it was so 90s. It was like little triangles and like swirlies. <laughs> Yes, and, and let's not but forget, it's not only 90s, zippers. but it's also, right, it's also like TV 90s, not yeah, even exactly. like yeah. movie, full movie. Yeah. The the effects left something to be desired. <laughs> um, I will, but it is one of those things where clearly, you know, that was not a priority in the storytelling. So. No, I mean, there were, there was a budget, and, and you could tell, and I, I, something I've been saying a lot about, we've talked about these, how Disney is kind of going and making live actions of a lot of their musical versions of these, right? And we talked about that kind of being like usually 99% of the time something that none of us want or need. And I, we all know a little mermaid is coming and it makes me really sad. But I've been saying about that one, especially when we got our, some of our casting news that it has this opportunity to be, which all films do, but this opportunity to be this really just colorblind, completely colorblind film with all this different castings and stuff. And I think that this is a pretty good example of what that looks like. And I love it. You know, like you kind of yeah. look and it's like, there's no, you don't have to be like, oh, but our skin colors are different. So this person must be adopted or this must, it's like, no, this is just this world. Yep. He came from these two people. She came from these, you know, it's just, and I love I it. really I love appreciate that. that there was no explanation whatsoever. You know, mm-hmm. a black race, guy race and a white a woman thing. made, you know, an Asian baby, mm-hmm. you know, and there was, you know, one black sister, one white sister and a white mom. Mm-hmm. And, and we didn't make any attempt to explain any of it. And, and it does really fall into that. that we've talked about kind of very black and very white type of thing rather than not getting a lot of other stuff Mm -hmm. in there but it's a good example of kind of how you can treat it and how we can kind of take that and move it forward and with more films hopefully see that with uh i looked him up because obviously hollywood because i was like oh he did such a good job but he didn't i didn't know if he'd ever been anything else so i ended up looking him up and he's a Broadway star. Yeah, I was like, so he sounded so clearly Broadway. He was a good yeah. singer. <laughs> yes, but I will say, if you look at his Broadway credits, they are mostly yeah. Asian roles. I'm yeah, sure. I mean, well, and then he had a movie. Lots of King in, and I. Well, yeah. and then he was in like Mortal Kombat yeah. in a movie, right? So it's like, yeah. oh, okay, well, he can be in this movie because there's like ninjas and stuff. Yeah, so right. which, like, is, which is know. a shame that he was not able to break out of in spite yes, of this exactly. platform for just kind nothing to do with his like, race. It's kind of what we're like relying on Henry Golding for at the moment, like fully just being like, hey, you can be in everything. It's like, you know, yeah. we want this more to be a thing. Right? But I love yeah, that or, it felt colorblind and it was, you know, a start to that a long time ago. <laughs> so Yeah, well, and I mean, I, I, well, no, this was a side tangent, but I was just going to say like another example, even existing in modern media that's being put out is that I watched To All the Boys I Love, whatever, blah, 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 three over the weekend because it came mm-hmm. out. And, you know, you see like Noah Centino was getting tons and tons of at least Netflix movies out of the once that franchise launched. He was in like get, 20 that different. Money, you know, get that yeah, money. Get, we're, absolutely. Yeah. Good for him. And, you know, I think he's involved in Black Adam for DC and all this stuff. But and in spite of Lana Condor having been in X-Men prior and she's had other stuff like you didn't see her have the same level of 
success. She's in, they announced she's in a lot of other projects coming up now, but it, you just see this imbalance of how even mm-hmm. in a project with diverse casting, there's still absolutely biases towards these actors and actresses. And unfortunately, Paolo Montalban suffered victim to that. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. absolutely. The thing that did bother me about it was like Brandy's weird affected. I'm gonna speak it. I can't even do the voice, but she just speaks it <laughs> she, up really she high. She did a very yeah. Cinderella voice. She yeah. did a very like. I'm She's so like, sweet. I'm playing a princess. Yeah, I'm yeah. So amazing. Yeah. But to um, me, I just associate with like I'm a dumbass and nothing's yeah. going on in my brain. Yeah. I'm sure they were headed somewhere important. Yeah. <laughs> she yeah. got like yeah, pummeled. I think the highlights for me all kind of surrounded Whitney and it was this carriage scene and everything and some effects that, you know, Jackie said, they leave something to be desired. But her singing the song and then I just had a really big moment and she like at one point, she's like flying, floating next to the carriage singing and she kind of goes away and then Brandy has her big moment inside the carriage with this backdrop and she's singing her heart out and then Whitney comes right back and she's like, but this is my movie. <laughs> you my not, name is at the front of this movie. <laughs> I'm finishing this song and it was just really wonderful. She back, you know. As she yeah. should, you know. I saw a little snippet from The View. Brandy was on The View recently, and they were talking about this. And, uh, of course, with Whoopi, which is kind of fun. But apparently, Whitney is kind of who brought Brandy into the project, which is kind of cute. So good for Brandy. (laughs) Um, Yeah, obviously, like, Whitney clearly had a considerable amount of control over this. But And it's fun. I I have to think it was just a really fun thing for her to do, and, like, why the hell not? And I love it for her. So, yeah, I'm glad it's on there for people to see. And kids hopefully enjoy today and it's good for everybody i don't know why it took so long to get there but i'm glad it's there absolutely and then other things that came out on streaming this week it was dead pigs and i'm so curious as to what you two thought of it, it is kathy ann's directorial debut it sat in distribution purgatory distribution i was like uh, distribution <laughs> yeah it was like... three years yeah <clears throat> well, i was gonna say it was like 2018 i was like as i looked it up i was like 2018 <laughs> yeah we got, we got really confused we're like why was it out in yeah. 2018 yeah what did you two think i mean i was really sad about a lot of the pig death i gotta tell you <laughs> I I went into this film and I was like, I know this is called Dead Pigs, but you know, I'm not sure exactly. Mm-hmm. Sometimes movies are called things like that and have nothing to do with that. Right. And uh, going in, I was like, I was like, you know, Jackie, I really hope that that no pigs are going to die. And then you know, oh. right away, this dead pig, and then suddenly there's yeah, like sixteen thousand dead pigs. Like it's like <laughs> it was just so many dead and pigs. It was so sad. But, I hate uh, to. I hate to. Do you you know it's based on an actual event, right? No. <laughs> so, yeah. No, 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 no. I didn't know that, any of this, and so. Yep. Yeah, uh, but, but I'll tell you from not knowing anything about it, my takeaway from it, I thought, I, I found it more enjoyable than I thought I would find it based on the first five minutes. Because I, I learned that the, the main guy, uh, kind of the main guy, I guess, if you will, but you know, obviously it's focusing on an ensemble cast here, but the guy who ended up being the father of the, the boy and the, the brother of the, the woman in the house, mm-hmm. he, I didn't like care for his story all that much. And I, and I don't love, it's not that it doesn't happen, but whenever people in movies borrow money from scary people who will come and like really, really mess them up later, I'm always like, why would yeah. you do that? But, <laughs> which of course I know, desperate times. But I was right. kind of like less invested in his journey, but I really liked the stories of the other people. And the dead pigs portion to me, it's interesting to learn it really happened because I kind of saw it as allegorical. I guess no. kind of almost yeah. like I mean kind of there is like a, a, yeah there's but kind of like a magnolia moment with the frogs falling from the sky and kind of needing like something insane to kind of like it's like drawing attention to bigger problems societal problems and things like that and so it kind of felt very in this world where everybody is kind of fake and trying to be something they're not necessarily which is not necessarily everybody but I'm just trying to make it and stuff like that, but kind of speaking to the society of things and then these pigs all dying and it's like this really just like what the hell kind of thing happening that was kind of just making everybody, what, <laughs> you know? 
But yeah, I found it entertaining. I was sad to see that ducks were then dying at the end. I was like, why is there a dead duck? And I was like, did the pigs poison the water? Is that what we're talking about here? It's like seeing that the effect, the trickle effect will still continue, you know, from this big event. Yeah. But yeah, I thought it was interesting. Loved the, my favorite character was was the sister who had the house. and I Candy. Felt very, I felt bad for her. I didn't like that he did that. But I also was kind of trying to figure out what's surrounded where I was like, is it just because, is it because he's a man and he has a little more because he's a man, he gets more of the house, but it's like, if he owns 50% of it, how come he could just sell it without her giving her consent to that? So I was trying to figure that part out. And I don't know if I just missed something, but I was sad for her. I wanted her to keep it. <laughs> very, very Carl from Up, you know? <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. She was such an interesting character. I really thought that we were like, because when we saw like all of our little salon people doing their little cheer before they go in, I was like, Wow. <laughs> I thought she was the villain because I was like, oh, wow, I wouldn't want to work for her. That looks miserable. <laughs> um, you know, and I was like, ooh, this is terrible. And then it turns out that she was my favorite character and I really enjoyed her. And, and I liked, I mean, I don't know that I would have forgiven the brother as easily as she seemed to. I wouldn't have. <laughs> but also don't have a really good context for that song or like why everyone suddenly was singing this song. <laughs> And I know music can be pretty healing, so maybe that was, you know, part of it. I'll say that there was more humor in it than I expected. For kind of a pretty serious movie when you kind of go under the layers and really figure out what's happening, you know. Yeah, kind of a dark comedy in ways, huh? I mean, it's very dark. You know, this company has poisoned all of these pigs so that they could develop there, which is, ooh, ah, (laughs) you know pretty horrifying my favorite was when the lyrics for the song appeared on the screen though and i was like i was like oh yeah, you get to that sing was, along it was so fun know. i will say we found matt's new career and we think you know we're gonna send him to china and he's just gonna be a pretend to be ceo's opening things i literally from the moment i saw this movie i was just like how do i Sign me up. Yeah. yeah. How do I become I this? Because I'm the yeah. problem is I am too Asian looking for them to be con- consider me foreign. But well, no, they definitely consider me foreign. I'll rephrase that. I like every time I go, I, it is very clear. But I, I'm Asian looking enough that they recognize it. And it's yeah. interesting because my sister, like last time we were there, we were there in the summer of 2019. By the way, don't go in summer. But like people would come up to me and start speaking to me in Chinese, but they would not do it to her, which I don't quite understand. Like we look different but similar. And it, it was just, but yeah, Matt, you have a future career as like fake Yeah, we were, like, we're like, oh my CEO God, you're white model. and male and very tall. And I think yeah, the very this, tall part would, you know, yeah. would, would get you more money than I think that guy got. You know, yeah, no, I'm I'm definitely willing to pursue it if I can. Uh, I <laughs> yeah, can credit need- Dana with you know bringing this movie to my radar a little bit more, and I can credit you, Jackie, with kind of giving me that idea while watching it. Yeah, that I could have this yeah. career, so I can give you, I can help. You know, I'm not saying I'm going to like set you up, but I can help. I would, but I yeah, think I'm going to pursue say, this. I mean, I feel like we deserve a finder. You will get a cut. You'll get a cut. You'll get a cut for my first like five jobs. I think bored rich girl story ended up being. Not very interesting. I was kind of hoping for more there. And then I kind of want to focus boy. on them a little bit more too. Yeah. Cause I like, yeah, I like, I just wanted more time there because I didn't love, just like Matt, I didn't love the brother story because he's just sort of selfish and um, makes all these mistakes and then, you know, expects his sister to clean it up for him. And, uh, and then he's like angry when you don't want to help him. And it was kind of like guilting yeah. his son into, I get, I get where you're coming from. I understand who you are. I'm just not like a huge fan. Like I wasn't really rooting for him to succeed at that point. Yeah, agree. So he was like kind of throwaway, and then we didn't get a whole lot of her story. I mean, supposedly they sort of fell for each other because they kept visiting each other at the hospital. But yeah, I wanted a little more there. I think I could have taken a little more from them too, but I, I did. Yeah. yeah, I enjoyed them. And I enjoyed it. Sister slash auntie the most. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 
What are your thoughts, Dana? Yeah. I mean, I love this film. This is a yeah. film that has stuck with me for years because I saw it in 2018 as as part of a film festival, that, like an Asian American film festival. What a surprise. Um, what were you doing I there? Like, I know. <laughs> my God. What? A San Francisco-based Asian <laughs> film festival? Shocking. No, but it just, I was like, oh, this is really, really good. And then I think right at that time, they'd announced that she was tapped to direct Birds of Prey. And so I was like, ah, I have to talk to Kathy Yan. Like somebody get me in touch with her. And so I, I just found it really interesting. I thought it captured really well. You know, I again, as I said, I've been to China a bunch of times, but I'm still an outsider, like very much an outsider. And Kathy Yan is someone who is simultaneously she was born there but she's also been here a bunch and so there's like a whole expat factor and, it, and the otherness of that aspect of it felt very very real to me and so and then seeing all the other stories I was I was just like oh I'm really happy to see um that she knows how to handle an ensemble because Birds of Prey was clearly going to be an ensemble and so I very much see how WB was like ah yes this person and I I, I liked Birds of Prey a bunch so I think it paid off and I like being able to see the kind of Smaller directors being picture. tapped for the stuff. You know, at this point, it might. Um... No, I agree. I agree because I, I think Birds of Prey was very successful for what it was. I think it's one of the most, one of the way more successful DCU ventures that they've yeah, had like, so far. Yeah, like I had a super fun time watching it. I've watched it many times since. Super fun time. And I think you're right that it's the kind of thing where it's the kind of, it's the dream, right? It's like she made this film, obviously has passion behind it. And its story means something to her. And it ends up launching her into getting a massive movie like Birds of Prey, which is kind of fun. And it's like what any director probably dreams of. You hope that you just make that one movie that resonates with people. And it's like her first real outing and it gets her that. It's like kudos to her. But you can see, yeah, you can see the ensemble cast. You can see the dark humor in a situation that's otherwise not funny. And Birds of Prey captured obviously was much more of a funny film, but it's still not a light storyline. You know, no. so I, I like yeah, that she, she captures that, that, that dichotomy really. Well. Yeah, agreed. Yeah, so she, she announced her next project is going to be like a sci-fi project. I'm like, oh, this is fun. I kind of like that. You don't know what to expect from her, you know? That's kind of fun. Yeah, I love that. Right. The Freshening, a sci-fi love story. Yeah. Could be into it. Which is an adaptation from a short story. Yeah, no, I was just really happy. I wanted people to see this film. It's it's unexpected. There's very few things I could say it's like in terms of other things I've seen. There are obvious influences, you know, any ensemble director, yeah. you know, an Altman or something like that is clearly like it, the Coen brothers are people she cited. But especially if you are, as the both of you are, not familiar with the situation in China and just generally mm-hmm. the culture stuff, I feel like it actually does give you like a gateway into it. That's not in an exploitative and like, oh, look at all the crazy mm-hmm. things that are happening over there. Yes, this is a crazy thing that happened to happen over there, but it's not trying to sensationalize it. Yeah. No, I agree with that. Something I thought was, I I had said to Jackie, actually, I thought was funny was this, and this might be the way this business works, but it's kind of like in Up, we see that with Carl too, where like you have that, that someone doesn't want to give up that house, right? Yeah, the one obviously, Yeah, yeah, it's that you've seen that story before in certain places. And I'm always like, these huge companies who are developing stuff, don't you get that stuff just figured out before you actually break ground? Like, it just seems like, like to, to kind of go and say, hey, yeah. We need this this collective. We need all of you to agree to it and sign this paper before we're going to really start here. I know that you can think you can bully someone out of it, but it just seems like you're really risking. When it turned out that this woman was going to be standing in the way of them having their success that they want, it's just this thing where I'm like, like you figure that stuff out first. <laughs> but maybe I mean, they don't. Y- maybe yes. they don't. You know? Yes, you generally do. But I am thinking of, this is 
at the Google campus. Mm-hmm. And obviously, like, Google expanded over the however, however many years, and they weren't expecting to take over, like, all of Mountain View right. at one point. They ran out of space. But there is this one house. I don't know if this is still the case, but this is at least, like, three or four years ago. That is just, like, dilapidated. It is falling apart. <laughs> it is just, like, not well kept. It is, And I, I part of me feels like it maybe like a financing thing and part yeah. of me feels like it's a big old F you and they just, they won't sell it. It's right. It's in like a prime corner spot <laughs> next to a bunch of the buildings. The rest of the whole area is pretty much owned by. Yeah. Google. It's like, yeah. And yet this one plot of land is yeah. just kind of an eyesore. Yeah. And just there. And I give so much credit to that person for totally, holding it. Yeah. That has to be worth so much money at this point. I'm sure, like, yeah. Just real estate in Palo Alto and Mountain View, yeah. and, you know, the South Bay in general. And I'm sure Google offered them exorbitant Everything. amounts of yeah, money. Just like, please get out of here. But at that point, I'm like, <laughs> I mean, maybe they have enough money and safety that they can like maintain that or own that property and yeah. not live in it. And I, I hope it is still dilapidated. It's a protest. <laughs> yeah. Or I'm like, oh, are they still living in it? But either can't i could imagine they couldn't afford to move elsewhere even if unless they got offered like millions and millions of dollars but right. uh, it is it is one of those things where i'm like well i can i've seen it happen yeah. i've seen this little and, pocket of thing yeah like, and that's why it's less of a of a filmmaking critique more more than it is like a like business oh, yeah, critique yeah, yeah, yeah. where yeah. i'm like yeah is this how this works like why like i you know i'd want that figured out before i started spending even a dollar trying to like redo this because you know, she's there and you see the the rubble of everything they've made it as unlivable as they can for her <laughs> <It's> <laughs> yeah. like, oh, you're made climbing really over bad. bricks to get out of here and it's like yep and then she's still and and you know i it kind of i liked it i thought it was sweet because it was like even though she was being stubborn it's you no know, it's the family home the different generations of the family Your and it's it's at home. i know yeah you, you have Pigeons, no, you know? she's my like, favorite, and I—it's I, just like, oh I, I was god, on her this is my ghost it. of Christmas future, or yeah. Monica future. Like, <laughs> yeah, and I was like, I'm on her side about this, and I—I I liked the meaning and the kind of like, no, this is your ancestral home, and it's like it means more than just a bunch of money. It's like this is like the family honor and stuff. Like you know, you want to mm-hmm. keep it, and I so I was really sad for her. So that's why when we come to like the forgiveness and how she, you know, again, she's clearly all about family, being that that was a lot of her reasoning for wanting to keep it as she did, but she seems to forgive the brother. Um, in a way that I would not just forgive him. Like, I was like, dude, no. you sold this and had them here bulldozing it when I hadn't moved anything out. Like, <laughs> like even yeah. beyond, like, you you just went behind, you, yeah, so I, he would not be on my list of people that would get phone calls ever again. Or texts, <laughs> you know? No. No, so pigeon, really. no, ca- no carrier yeah, pigeon. No pigeon, yeah. nothing. Mm, nothing. Uh, when that pigeon died, It's not died, like, I did, it's I not like where she here. moved looked better. You know what I mean? What was a light yeah. little apartment? Because that was my thing is I know that they said they were out of money on the project to give anything else. But I was like, this is where I go. You go there and you're like, look, not that this will take away the meaning of this home for you or whatever, but we will build you. You can choose a lot somewhere. We'll build you your little dream home that was with somewhat just like kind of value. Like that, that's the approach you take. You really want to get someone out of there. You know what I mean? But yeah. she had to go to an apartment and it didn't seem better. No, so, it made me sad. My heart aches for her. Yeah. Yeah, agreed. And then finally, speaking of heartaches, yeah, RuPaul's Drag Race is it was, my heart in that I'm very bored. <laughs> I thought it was the best episode we've had since like season two. Um, just kidding. No, uh, this is a terrible season. It's really sad. It's it's just these. Well, and the judges aren't watching the same show we're watching, so yeah. it gets a little confusing. Yeah, it really does. And it's just I think we're at that point where it's not that anyone is just oh you're so terrible necessarily, but it's just this thing where like there's no one that's even as much as I'm still gunning for Simone here, she's my number one, right? But it's like, I I still 
just don't think the talent on this season is comparable to any other seasons ever, you know, and I just, it's, it's gotta be the worst season. The formatting has had to be adjusted a little bit to accommodate COVID. I get that, right? Like we don't have as many guest judges and challenges and all that sort of stuff, but that to me has never been the core of it. And so I don't know what it is about the way that it's currently being presented that is just causing it to drag. <laughs> um, <laughs> in the wrong way. <laughs> in the wrong way. In an, un, it's an unflattering way. Yeah, just because I was like, okay, well, we've seen these before. You know, we've seen the talk show kind of challenges before. We've seen it all before and it's been fine. But there's something about this season that is just really, really dull. Yeah, I think the answer is it's the queens. I just don't think that they all, that they have what it takes to really make, take these these weird not well-written script moments and like this cheesy, you know, it's it's supposed to be cheesy, whatever, but to take these moments and not bring actual humor into it. They're just kind of right. like... And the thing is, is, it's not like the writing's gotten worse. No, it's it's pretty, you know... It's pretty yeah. on par with other things that other, you know, queens have been asked to do. So yeah, These challenges are not worse than other challenges. Except mm-hmm. the disco one with them not having to do any singing or anything was kind of a little like, okay, yeah. you know, you're just dancing. But right, yes, but they're pretty... that much no. well, and like Olivia yeah. Wilde... That doesn't ruin an episode. Fine. Olivia, Olivia Wilde. God. Um, <laughs> Olivia Wilde did great on I was like, Paul she's Duffy. on this? I didn't see her. No. <laughs> you were so bored that you just glossed right no, past I her. Did. Um, Olivia I Lux, think Jackie was so bored right? she made it up in her head. She was like, it's, I, was I see like, Olivia oh, Wilde. Oh, damn. I love her. She's great. No. <laughs> Olivia Lux, I mean, she did good yeah. in, as the mime. I thought that like her mime was good. Until she spoke. I, I think Got Mick is the one who fed her all the things to do as the, the mime. I don't think Got Mick kind of got enough credit for that and then also as soon as she started talking it wasn't great and then her outfit I liked her wig a lot with the beads and the hair but then I didn't really understand the rest of the outfit I don't know it didn't feel like it went there all the way for me yeah and then she wins which I thought was really wild what was funny is during the skit I actually kind of saw it the opposite where I actually kind of saw Olivia setting got Mick up for the, the lines that got Mick was saying because Olivia would do something and got Mick had to describe what she was doing but I thought that got Mick still took it and made it funnier than it would have been if you were just watching Olivia because got yeah, Mick was worked, giving I mean, it they worked, well they worked together, but they but yeah. they worked really well together and I agree that got Mick didn't get credit for that and then I think got I think it was a relatively strong week for got Mick with really no credit and then I think that they were harsher on Utica she wasn't amazing in the challenge by any means, but she did make me laugh a couple of times. I thought it was really weird, but it was just like, you know, it, some of them were so flat that it was like, this is like embarrassing to watch. And I thought she brought it enough to where like the fact that we're kind of talking about her as one of the bottom queens was weird to me. I was like, oh, okay. And it's just, but yeah, I agreed with, with Olivia, the punky Brewster thing. I mean, I could see how, okay, it's cute, but it was like, I don't know. I didn't really love it, but got Mick with the anal beads thing was just, there were only a couple of them who actually took the bead thing really seriously. And I thought Gottmik was one of them. And I thought she looked really cool, like different. And I was just like, this is kind of fun, you know, like, and it just to not even have her up there to be talked about was interesting to me. And the chandelier dress was pretty great. Yeah. But I, you know, agree that Denali didn't do great in the. Yeah. And I was like, I don't really think of beads when I think of a chandelier. I don't know. It was, you know, and I know that technically and you're beating I could, it. I, could, I mean, it's I a could see it. Interpreta- yeah. That's the thing is like, that I have I'm not, this thing. I really want to wear it. This yeah, will work. Totally. Yeah. But you could tell she was shaken to the core because she was literally like, we, we I ended up watching Untucked okay. just because it just played and I, whatever. It was so boring. But she was clearly shaken because she's like this is the epitome of the outfits that i've brought like this is the showstopper one that i have and they didn't even like it 
enough to talk about it and so she clearly feels like the rest of the season she's like i don't know what i'm gonna do <laughs> well, so, she was clearly I mean, like I don't, she think, was, I don't know if she expected to make it this far <laughs> I, apparently not <laughs> yeah i mean i don't think she'll make it much further if this is no. literally her best drag so yeah you could tell she was just like this is literally the best yeah. i've ever done and it wasn't good enough to be even in the top yeah so, so she's shaken by it and i do think elliot got the the loser edit so I really thought Elliot was going home and then Elliot didn't go home. And I do think Elliot won that lip sync for sure, but I don't think Elliot deserves to necessarily be there anymore or ever really. But I, it was interesting to see that, like I thought that her edit was very kind of like, okay, Elliot's probably going home and then she didn't. So I was like, yeah. okay, they're trying to trick us now, <laughs> but I, she has to I go they, soon. I mean, I'm they sure. do this every yeah. once in a while, right? Yeah. Like they, which is they, good. You it keeps showing your toes. Storied edit. Yeah. I mean, I think my, my question is, do we want to keep covering this in depth? I I'm not it's, sure it's yeah I'm not sure it's yeah worth I it. don't know if it deserves our yeah which I, I think know. is worth talking you know talking about yeah. the decision to decouple from oh, right yeah. I have opinions about it but I don't know if they're interesting because I think everyone probably feels the same it's just kind of like well, yeah, this I was is not say, very interesting I, the show is not giving us as a fan base anything to I mean yeah there's like minor things to nothing not juicy to discuss argue over yeah. necessarily but like have different points of view on mm-hmm. it's like okay yeah we all have our personal favorites but in general like there's consensus and I think that's that's the biggest problem with the show this season is that yeah. everyone does nobody stands out good or bad obviously we don't like we personally don't like candy yeah some stand out a little but not in a way where it's like you know we care (laughs) maybe we wait until snatch game i thought this episode was gonna be snatch game like i thought we were at snatch game point honestly i was like we should have been i was like it's got to be next week and i was like wait we have 10 of them still 10 we've been watching this show for at least 10 months and we have 10 of them (laughs) we've been watching the show since march of 2020 and yeah it's almost (laughs) been a year and we still have 10 of them left and I was like, oh my gosh, so that means it's two episodes away from Snatch Game because usually it's when it's top eight. If I remember correctly, it's like four people and four people. But honestly, I'm, I'm actually, I'm usually, that's what I look forward to the most. I'm kind of worried about it because I don't think anyone here is really talented enough to really sell me something. I think Simone will do it. I think Gottmik will try it and maybe succeed. But yeah. I don't think a lot of them, Rose I'm sure Rosé's got someone, yeah, I'm sure mm-hmm. Rosé and Tina have someone in their minds that they're like ready to, to do, but it's just like, I don't know. It just doesn't. It doesn't inspire confidence. And Tina got knocked down a peg for me when she, in her interview, by the way, so not even just on the fly in the show, said, it's like Celine Dion says, tomorrow is a new day. The line is, a new day will come. And it was really like, you are, and I am not a drag queen. And let me tell you, that is not something you mess up if you're going to quote somebody like Celine Dion. Like, it just was a little like, this just shows you the caliber of who we're working with here. Right. So it's, just, it's just a little bit off. And, and I'm sorry. Just, you know. Yeah, no, it's true. It's just it's it's the quality is a little bit off. I the next episode is not Snatch Game. The next episode is Social Media, the unverified Rusical. I think we're tapping out. Yeah, I mean, because Rusicals I mean, sometimes not, are really we're great. Stop but... watching. No, I'll it, watch think, it. But no, I'll, yeah, I'll continue like, to watch yeah. it. But you're right. I don't. Yeah, I think I, we can revisit at the end of the season, but uh, this yeah. might be the end of our official weekly coverage. Yeah, if something crazy or remarkable happens, we have to talk about it. We can, but yeah, I don't. I don't think it's something that really. It's not really earning it. It's not earned. It's not. Yeah, it's not earned. Yeah. They don't deserve to hear to us this... talk about it. <laughs> no, we're not happy to make this thing, but I think for the the love of uh, our our love of the show, we have to we have to cut ties. Yeah, I will remain true ties. and I'll watch it right now. But yeah, it's well. Thank you both for slogging through that one. And yeah. until next week, when we won't be covering most likely, watch, watch <laughs> next week as a byproduct of this. Yes, be like yes. the best episode ever. I know, ever, like, ever, and ever. take it all back. In fact, we, we have are... to have a dedicated episode just yeah, to which it. is a one-off episode to social media. The it's just too much to talk about. Yeah, it's just too much. Yeah. Home it's ground, yeah. groundbreaking. I don't, totally I don't, I don't believe it's yeah. going to be true, but we'll see. 
Yeah, I would, I would believe Mephisto, like, just walking onto the set of WandaVision, or like, you know, hello, I am Mephisto. They're like, like, Mephisto and Doom together are going to show up and be like, mwahaha, we've been behind this all, and that's how it'll end. That seems more likely. Yeah, that's more likely. All right. Well, thank you both. Yeah, thank you. Thank you so much again to Jackie and Matt for joining. That is actually it for this episode. There really was not that much to follow up on, but be sure to join us again next week as we watch more things. And if you enjoyed this episode, we would love it if you could leave us a rating or a review or even consider subscribing.